Hey guys, welcome to the Cultivating Keep podcast. I'm Jeremy and this is Corey, and this is where we talk about what are we learning, what are we studying in the Bible, and what is new in our businesses. And uh, today we have uh, Morgan Mitchell as a special guest, and he is a uh, college and high school pastor at Journey Church. Uh, welcome, Mitchell. Hey, how's it going? I'm glad to be here. Good, good. Yeah, super glad to have you on. Uh, you came at a high recommendation from David Matrenga, one of our past guests. So uh, glad to have you. Come on. That's great. Come on. <laughs> my my bad, Morgan. I just called you Mitchell. I just realized that. <laughs> said, that's, my, uh, that's my entire life. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay You have with two that. first that, names. It's kind of weird. I just so. roll with it. I roll with it every time. It's okay. That's good. Awesome. Um, anyway, yeah, we are excited. He uh, Morgan comes highly recommended by David. So we're stoked. Um, we thought we would start out by having Morgan kind of just tell us about uh, who he is and his upbringing and kind of how he became uh, who he is today. Yeah, I can give, they said you could either do a brief one or another brief one. So I'm going to do the five minute one or try to keep under five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so Morgan Mitchell today. So I currently live in San Diego, California, um, which you guys probably already know that. But uh, I grew up, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. Um, so in Rochester, New York, that is literally 3,000 miles away, 3,000 miles away from here. The opposite, um, opposite corner of the U.S. It's crazy. The opposite corner, the furthest, like the furthest you can go. So um, I was born and raised in a Christian household. So I was, I was one of those people that have been blessed, uh, blessed to have two God-fearing parents. Um, a big dynamic in my household is uh, my dad is a very black man and my mom is a very white mom. <laughs> so that is a, a mixed family, um, but they lo both love the Lord. Um, so my mom is from uh, Southern Ontario, Canada. And then my dad is from Rochester, New York, and they met in college at a college called Roberts Wesleyan College. Um, and that's where I went and got my undergrad. Um, but I grew up in a Christian household. So my dad has been um, I also grew up pastor's kid. Um, my dad's been bivocational pastor for 30 years now. So he was actually my youth pastor. And I've actually in my life have never gone a year, except for maybe the COVID year. No, even in 2020, um, of missing like a retreat or a camp type feel. I've never missed one in <laughs> no my entire, way. entire life. That's crazy. Uh, because my, as a one-year-old, I went to my parents' uh, youth group winter retreat. And I went all the way through, all the way through college now, and then all the way working through as a youth pastor myself. Um, so that's just a unique, a unique blessing. So I, I grew up there. Um, with them and from a young age I've had the blessing of um, knowing the Bible and having faith in in Jesus and it being a, a reality for my my not only my family but also for me and I think up until once I hit college I really had to make a moment when I was like 18 or 19 I had to take a moment where I was like hey is this mine or is this my family's? It's like we kind of knew what the Mitchells did. The Mitchells would show up. We went to church. This was our this was our the culture of my family. We went. We depended on the Lord. Um, we served at the church. Um, but at 19, I had to really. I was starting college. I had to just make it my own. If I didn't make it my own, then it would not last. It would not last. It'd be fickle. Um, it'd be shallow. And um, it was this crazy uh, moment where. Uh, I actually got some crazy uh, poison ivy all over my legs. It sounds it sounds really weird, but that was a a big moment for uh, for my story where I got poison ivy all over my legs. And uh, I was working at the summer camp at the time, and all of the 
like pretty much all my friends were there and I was working as like a, I, I was a janitor and I couldn't even walk around cause I had such bad poison ivy. And all I could do was go by the water on the lake, on the lake. And I just remember bringing a journal in my Bible and that was, um, God met me there and was like, Hey dude, you got to make this thing your own. And at, I went up for my undergrad for uh, business management and it was after my first year of college and the Lord was like, dude, you're going into ministry. And he like really made it clear. And it was in that moment where it's just like, I felt like the power of the Holy Spirit really, that was a trajectory where like changing summer um, where I just really fell in love with the, I was on fire from that point on, like the uh, John Wesley story at the, he had this Aldersgate experience where he said his heart was strangely warmed. Um, in that moment, I felt like my heart was strangely warmed and, uh, yeah, that set me on this crazy, this crazy track where I got back on my campus after that summer and I was on fire for the Lord. And I had this random moment where the Lord told me, it was like, you're going to be writing a poem. Sounds weird. Sounds really weird. Sounds so odd. So I wrote this poem and I wrote it in my journal, put it away. Um, a couple of weeks later, this moment happened where I kind of remembered I had it. And that poem was about just transparency and things like that. And I ended up reading, memorizing that poem for the school talent show. So I had a couple thousand people that went to this Christian university that I went to. And there was like this thing called Saturday Night Live. Um, and I memorized this poem because I was so nervous that I, because someone was like, you have to do this thing. And I felt it was from the Lord. And it ended up, I wrote this poem, memorized this poem and performed it for the Saturday Night Live for a couple thousand people. And that like tr created this trajectory for me where I was doing uh, spoken word ministry. Didn't even think of it, but it came wow. out of no nowhere. And uh I, I did that. I, was, I wasn't intentional about like, I'm going to write 15 more or something like that. But that opened up this ministry for me where, uh, yeah, I was like performing it for my school, a couple other colleges and other churches, uh, all in college. And that got me connected with uh, a pastor at a camp. And that pastor at the camp ended up being the worship pastor at Journey Community Church in San Diego. They flew me out here to do spoken word as a spoken word artist. And I got connected here in uh, at Journey uh, through spoken word, actually. So nothing to do with with pastoring is actually through spoken word. So um, yeah, that's that's a little that's kind of a quick synopsis. I got that, and then I, I think the more and more I got involved with spoken word, I started realizing that it was less about uh, writing and it was more about the people and what God was calling me to lead, God and direct people and pastor people. And um, he just just through God's grace, he kept aligning different pieces for me to step in as a man of God and to step in and minister to people. So I landed up here and I've been in this role for five years now. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, great job in the synopsis. That was a fantastic five minute uh, intro to who is Morgan Mitchell. And, uh, yeah. well, you know, I want to dig into a bunch of that, but one of the first things that popped in my head the whole time I was like, how in the world did this guy end up in San Diego? Because Rochester, mm -hmm. New York, uh, if I'm understanding my, if I remember my geography, right. Southern Ontario, Rochester, like right next to each other, basically right, right across the border. Yeah. Am yeah. I, uh, okay. the, the closer, yeah. The closer city to me, I was in New York. The closer city to me was Toronto, Toronto. Right. Uh, yeah. Toronto was two hours away from Rochester 
and New York City is like six. <laughs> so, yeah. so like I'm like I any major city I would go to would be in Canada. Yeah, um, right. It was just so much easier to go and be a part of. Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, your your family is like, you know, so like ingrained there. The church is there, and then like somehow you end up here in San Diego. Is that scary? Like making that move and uh, like Sheesh. going away from everything you sort of grew up knowing. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I remember getting a text message. So Jason Dennison, who was the uh, he was the worship pastor here. He started the church called Second Sunday in East Village, San Diego. Um, so he's been gone for a couple of th- like three years from here, actually. But um, he gave me a text and he, he was a worship pastor at the time. And he said, hey, man, San Diego might be calling soon. And I was just like, oh, word, like like spoken word again. Cool. I'll come out to Cali. That's great. And he was like, no, for a position, would you be interested? And I was like, you do realize like. I have a background in the church, but I haven't really worked in the church. And he took a big leap of, he took a big just leap of saying, hey, I think you're a God guy. And uh, I remember he called me and then our senior pastor called me and I'm like, you guys are being for real about this. Like you're being (laughs) so real about this. And they were like, yeah, we'd love to fly you out and just see how things are going. And I was like, wow, you're being really for real about this. And I had this moment where I was flying back to Rochester after visiting here. And I was like, I have to do it. That was like that. It was like this moment where the Lord was like, man, if there's going to be an act of faith moment, um, it's like the Abraham faith moment for me. I was like saying like, hey, as an act of faith, I got to leave what I know, step into. So I literally like shipped my car here with three suitcases, (laughs) three suitcases. And uh, I left. Yeah, I literally knew Jason. I knew Jason. That was the only person I knew. And I moved into his house. It was a house, not enough room for a full grown guy and his family, <laughs> but I moved in. Um, and I, I needed it to be an all or nothing thing. I couldn't have it like, if it was like, oh, I'll go. But if I can bring someone with me, I needed to go. And it, it was really hard. It was not an easy thing. Uh, I didn't know what culture shock was until I moved from Rochester to California. There's a lot of things I didn't know. Uh, so when I got here, uh, I learned a lot. But if I didn't do that, I don't know. My life would look completely different. I, w- I wouldn't have met my wife, uh, Emma. And also, uh, I really I needed that to kind of just send me where the Lord was going to have me be for the rest of my life. Not necessarily San Diego, but in that act, uh, what kind of man was I going to be? Was I going to be one that heard from the Lord and followed it or heard from the Lord, was fearful of it and kind of still say, stayed in safety, really? So, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's fascinating. I'm wondering, like, what was your kind of career trajectory before that? Um, like, mm. you know, you went to college, uh, you know, you were on this kind of like path where maybe it sounded like you knew where you wanted to do something in ministry uh, and you're doing a lot of spoken yeah. word stuff, but... Um, mm-hmm. was it like a big mm-hmm. change or what were you going to, what were we planning doing before? Uh, I was going by the hip. So I, in high school, I knew, uh, in my youth group and in my friend group, I was like, I was a leader. You just, you, I just was, it was just, it wasn't like a, I'm the leader now. It was just for some reason, people listened to me, usually the loudest voice people listen to. So you can <laughs> use your influence wisely. Um, but I started realizing that things were adding up where, um, for some reason, when I was speaking, people would listen to it. <laughs> I don't know why it was just happened to be that, uh, I look back now and see it was like the Lord's favor on my life. Um, 
but also in the places of, uh, yeah, I realized that I realized I had the energy and I just was in love with the Lord. Um, so when I was in college, uh, up until that point, I was I was like, I guess I'll go for business. I can lead people. I, I can kill presentations. I'm super good at presentations. You give me a PowerPoint, I could sell anything, anything. And I was like, I can do this. And then I just found out, I'm like, oh my goodness, all the things that are naturally my giftings, I could do in ministry. Like I could present stuff. I could lead people. Uh, I'm, I loved like be with people and uh, I can read to know more like all these things were adding up so uh, for me I was like either I'm going into business uh, and then after that call after that first year the Lord was like man you're going into ministry so I was plugged in at a church uh, that was a, 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 a large church in Rochester I got plugged into them through spoken word as well so I was on staff there before I moved out here and I was just in part of the I was just uh, my job was to get volunteers that was my only job. I had nothing else to do. I wasn't even really preaching or anything. I was calling people, getting people, casting the vision for what the church was, and then saying, hey, you should be a part. Like, my job specifically was to get volunteers for the kids' ministry. That was my job. And it went from 12 people as volunteers. This is my big claim of fame for kids' ministry. I didn't love working in kids. But I had 12 volunteers. And when I left, we left with 75 volunteers. <laughs> so, I was like, so I was going hard, just getting people. I was like, you can haul the baby. Anybody can haul the baby. You can do this thing. Just pass the background check. Besides that, you can do this. Pass your background um, check. And, uh, yeah, so I was going into ministry. I didn't know what. And I knew spoken word ministry is like, it's good, but you got to be real good to make it sustainable. Name a spoken word artist that is still a spoken word artist. Most are like authors or started a business or something. And uh, I've been slowly getting shaped into realizing that all of these moments were leading to um, the pastorate, leading to I'm going to be pastoring people and I and I the Lord has been adding all these different moments together um, that have shaped me to become a pastor and um, that has looked different that has looked different because when you're a little bit younger in my early 20s I was like super energetic and excited but now there's just so many there's just so much depth that you need to have and I'm just I'm just scraping the bottom of the like just scraping it of saying like okay and unlocking there's so much more to this and I'm realizing and it's it's ministry life and leadership uh, for me specifically is pastoral ministry so yeah that's cool um so you've you've been pastoring at journey for the past five years right um, yes. did you start out doing high school and college or has it kind of um oh yeah i that? just a ri- the very first uh spot was just high school ministry okay. so high school ministry and then i did that for four years and then uh just through the, the longer you're at somewhere like i graduated a bunch of kids out so mm-hmm. all the kids that i had in high school i now have in college so gotcha. it was just an easy fit um, so I've been able to do that. And then the longer you're in ministry, your capacity grows. So at first I'm like, there's no way I could do more than just high school. Uh, but now I'm at a place of like, I can, you know, once you build the systems and build volunteer basis and how mm-hmm. things are going in the culture of it, uh, a lot of it runs itself, yeah. <laughs> it runs itself. So now I've been able to, yeah, step into college ministry, which has been really cool. That's cool. I was curious on like how big was the ministry when you started and kind of how has it grown? So the last five years, like where is it at now? Yeah. What does it kind of look like week to week with, you know, both ministries going on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 
I came from a church culture that was like all huge, like you got to raise the numbers. You got to do numbers. Well, I grew up, the, okay, I just don't want to misguide you here. I grew up in a real small church. <laughs> like there was like 200 <laughs> people. So like our youth group had like 25 kids. Yeah. So for me, what is big? That was that. But then I came from, I was working at a mega church before I moved out here. So then they wanted big, big, right? They're like, we want 300 kids in our youth ministry that we're not running anything like that here so i stepped in um to a youth ministry that had you know i moved from rochester where the youth ministry culture is way different than the southern california culture i realized when i got here i'm like oh so like people go to church like once out of every four weeks here didn't realize that and then i was like i was like oh like people can surf before service that's crazy didn't even realize that there's just a bunch of things i didn't even know um so when i got here um i the we were like i think we we're it was like a solid core of like 50 50 to 60 students um and throughout the years we've had like steady growth but we're pretty much rocking close to the same thing so we have a like in the fall when you feel like you're the wizard because all the kids come back to you <laughs> come back to the youth group we're rocking like 100 kids and i'm like we're look at this we're amazing this is so good <laughs> uh but realistically over the years we've had kids come in and go out but we've stayed at like the 60 to 70. um so i that's one of the things i what i do for youth ministry i in no way do i claim i'm a youth ministry guru uh, what i do is working for me i'm telling all the people that i like eventually gonna hand the ministry off to i'm like i'm like what i do isn't because i have read this and said this is like some amazing youth ministry guru fact <laughs> this has worked for morgan mitchell and i'm hoping you find something that works for you uh so that's where i'm at so i started there um but one of the things that i i, I like to think through culture wise uh that i've worked to bring when I walked in, biblical literacy wasn't the top priority um, for our, our ministry. Um, I'm a big Bible guy. I, uh, I am all about the word of the Lord. Um, and I just realized quick, I'm like, you guys don't know your Bible. Like I'm like using these, like for me, I grew up in a Christian household. So like our normal stories were like, of course I knew Noah, Noah's Ark and mm -hmm. I knew all these stories, but I was like doing quick references to help pad down the story that I'm in. And kids are like blank stares. And I was like, uh Oh, what's going on? So one of the things that I've, I feel like has been great to build into um, with our youth ministry is these kids are starting to really get a love for scripture and the Bible and why we, why we read it, why we have it, why it's dependable. And um, the, I think I'm more excited about the, the, I don't know, the values that I've brought and brought into this youth ministry than even being like, all right, on a numbers basis, I'm like, I haven't seen it grow and like skyrocket to some amazing thing. Uh, but I see instead of like inch deep, mile wide, I'm, I'm seeing like, like roots and family trees change because these kids are falling in love with the Bible, you know, and falling in love with Jesus in that sense. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So kept the numbers the same. Maybe they've had seasons where they've grown, but the numbers have pretty much been the yeah. same. Yeah. You know, uh, another thing I was kind of thinking about, so with David, we, we talked about on the episode with him, you know, he, like at Foothills, there's a lot of people online that 
want to get in the ministry. Like a lot of people, uh, you know, are working as interns or you volunteer to some capacity. I think a lot of them would like to, you know, have some type of pastoral position. And at our church, like I said, it's like a long line to kind of get in your spot. And, you know, one thing, David, uh, we talked about with him was uh, like that journey, that path to kind of finally become the college pastor. I mean, it took him, took a while, like a long time of just climbing and, and kind of filling a need until a spot opened up. And I, I kind of thought with, from your story, one of the questions I wanted to ask was like, what was that path like for you? Uh, mm. But it sounds like you were, you know, somewhat like recruited and just brought right into it, which I think is super mm. fascinating. Mm. Uh, interesting how that just happened. Was there anyone uh, in that position before you? Was it like a newer ministry? Like how, yeah, how did that kind of happen, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's, man, we had... So the youth pastor before me, the youth pastor before me was, uh, I, I believe, 45. He had five kids, just amazing youth pastor. Like, he was just well-known in the area, big personality, led teams. His Like, I walked in, and the events that they were doing, they were doing, like, these retreats in the desert. I haven't even seen a desert before I even moved here. He was doing this amazing <laughs> stuff. Like, all his kids were in the youth ministry. He was just the guy he was just so i didn't i come in not knowing anything i feel like the lord's called me to be here i took an act of faith to get here and i came into a youth ministry where i i started i think i just i think i was like a week and a half in it turned to 23. <laughs> like i came in and this guy had done ministry for like 20 years <laughs> and uh so he he transitioned to a different church. I was an executive pastor at a church in the area. And uh, so I walked in and it was a big culture shock for me. Uh, the, the youth ministry that I was in before, uh, that I like the church I was in before was very events and programs based. Uh, and so I could run a program to a T. Like, I don't know if you guys know what like planning center is and all that stuff. Yeah. I could do, I could do that well like organize and run one of those. That's what I knew as youth ministry. I knew how to preach. I knew how to get people excited. Um, but as far as like the, we're going to do a retreat in the desert and we're going to build a village there. And then we're going to, we're going to do all these different things. I didn't have that. And then also I was a single guy, uh, you know, no kids and I was entering in and really what I had in my tool belt, uh, was energy and love for the Lord. And um, part of the reason why I was hired was like, they just were like, you're a God guy. We know that you love the Lord. And that was the thing that they ran with. I couldn't believe it. They ran with, you're a God guy. We know you love the Lord. And that was just, that was just the Lord's favor. Cause I know a lot of people, uh, they didn't really even advertise that they were like this job. Like uh, I look now and I know this job, like I was just so blessed because uh, to get the position I had, uh, you know, there's, there would have been a big line of people that have, you know, were applying for it. Um, but they chose not to like open it up. They actually just sent it to me. I don't know how that worked or why they did it, but they did it. And, um, I had to learn. Uh, there's something that I call it the first year I paid so much dumb tax. Let me tell you, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's funny. I went through this coaching program, uh, this like youth ministry coaching program, because, you know, all my stuff was I ripped it off what my dad did as a youth pastor. And then the rest was just 
I'm just going to do my thing. <laughs> and that's literally what I did. So I did this coaching program and they went through, it was like your first year as a youth ministry and all this thing as a youth minister. And I, they had this big booklet of all the things you don't do in your first year. And I did every one of them, <laughs> every one of them to a T. I said, I could add a couple of things to this list. And uh, man, I paid so much dumb tax. But after, you know, after growing through that first year and getting my bearings and and figuring out what the culture is here and how to do it um slowly but surely i started growing into the position and i think they wanted someone that would last longer than just like hey i've been doing this for a long time i'm on the tail end of my youth ministry career uh you know i've seen you know two sets of kids go through high school already um which has been really cool so um as yeah so that's really it they took it was it was really the faith of the church of trusting and allowing the lord to work things out in me and in that ministry uh for that to work out by no way was i a professional youth guy or really even fully ready but uh i figured it out i definitely figured it out and um now being you know completing five years like you know, I'm the guy. Like when, when they're thinking the youth ministry at the church, meaning the guy is like, uh, if we're casting vision of what we're gonna do next, usually will come to me on it. Or if it's like, hey, something just went down in the middle school room or something just went down out in the parking lot or, you know, there's something happening. We need someone, it's gonna be me. And I think it's been a really cool, um, and that's been simply by just being faithful and staying through it. Hmm. But that first year was really hard it was hard. Like I got there and I think there was like 14 small group leaders and like 12 left. <laughs> like, oh dude, it was hard core. But once again, like I said, I was real good at getting the volunteers thing. That's the one thing the Lord has blessed me with. I lost 12, but then I gained 18. <laughs> so I said, I said, amen. I said, amen. And those ones have been with me um, for the last five years, which has been really fun Wow, and good. So yeah, it's great retention. What um, you mentioned biblical literacy as being like one of the things that you really, that's like your thing. You're a Bible guy. You want to really sort of like drive that home. Um, that's interesting. Kind of struck my attention because uh, my wife does some youth ministry and she's involved with Foothills and one of the small groups. And uh, they've actually been recently like one, one night she came home and they wanted to do like a, a God talk. And she was just like, man, these girls don't know like, like basic stuff. And I was kind of like, Oh, like, kind of like it makes sense given like who the group is and where they came from. But, you know, so they started going back to the basics with Genesis and just like going through like really basic stuff and just, Hey, what questions do you have? And like, how can we kind of like build up this foundation? Um, I, I don't know what your perspective is, but it seems like people are becoming less and less, uh, literate with the Bible and with verses and theology. Um, you know, we're kind of seeing this movement towards, you know, secularism in, you know, here in the States and, you know, possibly globally to some degree, but like, how did you, uh, introduce or really like drive home biblical literacy given that like the standard the bar is so low, you know, it's just like a lot of work and like, where do you start? Like, I'm just wondering how you approached, um, Ooh, that theme with the, yeah. with the church. That is a hill that I will die on. Everybody's got their passion, but it is a hill that I have mm. chosen is going to be my passion. Um, my master's thesis was uh, the need for biblical literacy in the church. Mm. <laughs> what I'd literally just submitted wow. 60 pages on, on that. And um, 
man, what your wife is recognizing isn't just her youth group, it's the culture. Uh, we have had uh, an attack on, can we trust the Bible? Is the Bible God's word? Is it relevant to everyday life? Uh, can it actually help me? Um, and the stories have been thrown out, as in just not needed for everyday life. And uh, we are no longer um, the home team, <laughs> the, the, the people that, that love the Lord and depend on the Bible are no longer the home team. Uh, we are the, the visiting team. All right. We're the away team. And, um, so what does that look like? First of all, I wanted to know what I was talking about. Uh, so for me, I realized I knew these stories. I knew these stories well, um, cause I grew up in a Christian household, but I wanted to know and really know what I was talking about. Um, so with my degree, uh, I'm just wrapping up my Master's of Divinity uh, this week, actually. And um, I, ha I was like, I am not gonna have any if, ands, or buts if I know the Bible or not. I'm going to make sure I know it. So uh, I've done, uh, so I learned Hebrew, <laughs> I learned Greek, and I learned Aramaic. And those three languages, those three biblical languages represented in the text, I wanted to be able to be able to go in the original language to any passage and to be able to take it and say, hey, this is what it's saying. So you can tell me with whatever you have in English translation, but I wanted to be sure. And I didn't want to say, hey, this is important. I wanted to be as the leader or the shepherd of whatever flock I had. I want to be able to say, hey, I have put in the work. I put in the work to understand this thing to the best of my ability. So what does that look like? I had to first, I had to model this to the students of like, why is this important? So if someone asks me a question, I'm going to get scripture first. That's not going to be, hey, this is Morgan just riffing on something. I'm going to say, well, let's see what the Bible says. Um, one of the things, it was halfway through my five years, I realized I was like, I'm kids don't know the Bible. I am not going to be caught at any youth event or any moment. I did a lot of uh, on-school campus ministry and things like that um, before COVID. Um, I'm not going to be caught without a Bible in my hand. I'm going to do it. It's if I claim this is so important, I'm going to have it with me. I'm going to have it within reach, within reach wherever I'm at. And uh, that was one of the things. And then I really, I, I really started changing up how I preach too. I moved from. Um, I still have a lot of stories because to keep kids act, like into stories, uh, you have to share <laughs> to keep them like a, their attention. Uh, but I really started changing more towards an expository type teaching, preaching through uh, just a passage instead of kind of jumping all over the place uh, where it's easier to do that. It's easier to jump all over the place, but it's harder to stay in a specific text and preach it down. <laughs> it really it takes a lot of work. It's hard and letting scripture kind of preach for itself. So I had to change how I even, uh, my homiletics, how I, how I preach even to get these students that this is important to read what it says. So I did that. And then one more thing I, I said, all right, if I can't get all, you know, 60 plus of these kids into it, I'm going to have at least 12. Right. I was like, I'll, I'll pull I'll pull the Jesus and I'll have 12. Uh, so I started this thing called student leadership team. It's every single Sunday and there's 12 kids in it, just about 12, you know, with kids, whatever the attendance is. I probably have eight that actually show up consistently. But on the roster, there's 12. Um, but they come up every week and they have to memorize a passage of scripture 
and we walk through the whole narrative of the Bible. So the first week, I said your homework is memorizing every book of the Bible in order. So 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. These were things that were songs for me growing up, and I had to literally have them. I'm like, find it on YouTube, find something, and they did it. They literally learned these, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they, they did it. And we did these, like I had to go back to the basics for them of explaining the arc of why, the, why was it written? How was it written? Um, there's different, why is there different books to the Bible? Um, and then them working every week to memorize, memorize scripture. So not just, I think it says here, but no, it's like, hey, boom, tell me, how would you do this? So each week, you know, I have it this Sunday with the kids where uh, they're going to be sitting down um, and they uh, they were going through and I think they made, they memorized. They were in Second uh, Timothy this week. They're in Second Timothy this week and they Second uh, Timothy 215 right, is like what they had to memorize this week. And so I had that. And so they memorized the verse. They memorized the verse where it's found, who wrote it. And then. For the rest of the class, essentially, I give them practical application of, all right, you have a friend who is really struggling with self-worth, and they come to you for advice, and you can only use your Bible to give them hope and encouragement. And we literally sit for that 40 minutes, and they have to find a verse to help, and then they're preaching to everybody in the circle how they would encourage their friend. It's the safest place ever. We're eating donuts, but we're in the Word, and we're using it, it's not just them riffing or reposting someone's post on Instagram as their wisdom, but going back to God's word. And that has been the most life-giving part of ministry for me, has been that little group called Student Leadership Team, 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with those kids because they are memorizing the word, finding it important, and applying it to their lives. But if I can only do that with 12, then, hey, I think I've done a good job because, man, it's their peers don't know much if anything or even value it so that's where we're at yeah that's tough i mean it's just like you said the sort of state of where things are at uh i really admire sort of your your passion for it and uh even just like the commitment and um and the hard work that you've put in through it uh you had mentioned the masters in divinity uh and sort of like your your thesis uh around it um how long has that been in the works for mm. So I started when I was in Rochester, all right? So I did a semester at like, so my undergrad, uh, I graduated there, took a semester off and then started. And then I moved here, took two semesters off. And then I started here. And then um, like a year and a half in, I got married. So I took a semester off for that first, that was, that was a plus, you need to take that semester off. <laughs> took that semester off. Uh, so it took me a long time. And then I virtually the last two and a half years have been just, I haven't, actually had a week off. I've just been in classes straight. Uh, so it's taken me five. It's taken me five. But the actual work, I think the normal degree for the MDiv is four years. Hmm. But it's taken me five. Yeah. Yeah. Were there other uh, ideas for a thesis that you were kind of bouncing around um, before you decided Ooh. on biblical literacy? No, man. You know, it's, it's crazy because... Uh, for me, I think it, I could have been like I could have said church health. I could have gone into, I could have gone into uh, the I don't know wise culture in the church. I could have done a bunch of stuff. But man, when it comes down to me, like I have found it, it needs to go back to the word of the Lord. Uh, I just 
I was I there's just I feel like a lot there's a lot going on around and a lot of good ideas, but if it doesn't have the Bible as the core foundation to what we're doing, then I was like, I can't think of anything better than we need to go back to what God's standard is in his word. I, I, so I, I couldn't shake it. It needed to be that. So it was that, it was that I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, speaking about studying the Bible and, uh, getting into it and, and really trying to understand, you know, what it is, were there any things that you picked up along the way or sort of like these tools, um, that really changed the way that you read the Bible, saw the Bible, uh, use the Bible? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, what radically changed how I read scripture and the Bible was learning the, the biblical languages. It really? unleashed, it unleashed the Bible for me. Hmm. I, I was one of those guys that like really, you know, I had to work super hard in high school to get decent grades. You know, I'm not one of those, like I get it quick type, type yeah, guys. Yeah, is like you had to work really hard to, to earn grades. So. Yeah. <laughs> it does like, not come natural to Corey. It does, does, <laughs> doesn't, for me, it doesn't come natural. So I was like, I got to grind for this. So what I was like, I was looking at, I looked at Hebrew. I remember getting the textbook for it and looking at it. I'm like, Oh no, this looks like a language <laughs> from star Wars. Right. I like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this thing. And, um, you know, I had this professor, I did both. So for, um, Hebrew, I took Hebrew first, Hebrew and Greek. I had uh, a professor, his name's Dr. Justin Alfred, and he radically changed. He, he single-handedly, the Lord used him single-handedly to transform how I view the Bible. He, his passion was to teach the biblical languages, to bring it and make it alive for the average person. And uh, so it was one-on-one. I've spent hundreds of hours one-on-one with this man. He's in his 70s. Wow. He uh, got, his, got his PhD from UCLA, and he was teaching me Hebrew and Greek in hours and hours and hours, one-on-one, like across the table from each other uh and just learning this stuff and it unlocked scripture for me so uh learning the nuances of how the languages were written uh being able to see how like how much work it is to get an english translation and how important it is to have these english translations for us to read and um, to be able to go and take a passage and to read it in its original language, it just comes alive. So that was like, that's the first and foremost, like if it's not for everybody, it really is not for everybody. But once I started getting into it and realizing, Hey, I can do this thing. Um, I'm just an average Joe and I'm learning this stuff. Um, it unlocked it. And for me, I just got, it just, I got passionate about it. It was just my thing. And because that, I was like reading these passages and for the first time reading them in these languages, I'm like, this, it was coming alive to me in new ways. And there's more emphasis in areas that you don't necessarily see when you're reading in the English. And it was just, ah, it was so good. So that is something that I learned was, uh, I highly suggest anybody that's like really going into trying to preach and teach and things like that to learn the languages. I think. Uh, you don't need to go to seminary to do it. There's so many ways now. There's so many resources to teach you now on YouTube. There's literally full classes that will teach you uh, hmm. how to do it. Um, but also, uh, 
Yeah, and then what that's done is just give me a nuanced reading of the Bible, of learning how to read within context, but also to just see all the different plays and word plays and things that you wouldn't necessarily see in the English. Uh, that just, for me, I'm like, hey, this is like an awesome puzzle that I'm trying to figure out. Um, so that's what made me passionate about it, was hmm. those languages. And that was like, whoa, that was, that was great. Um, yeah. And I'm just, for me, I personally love the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the stories are just so interesting to me. Um, so I think even with that, that, that's just my love for that, the Hebrew Bible uh, a lot, has really grown a lot. So yeah, that was for me. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but do you have like an example of, or something top of mind of like, you know, when you read the original text in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, Ooh, um, where yeah, you're like, bro. oh, like that's really Ooh. weird. You, you mentioned things like emphasis or um, oh, wordplay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got his Bible so, handy. Look at him. So, yeah. um, so there's a moment where we find it and we see it here. Uh, let me just try to find it here. So Genesis 3, 2, the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. All right. So we know this one. We've heard this story many times. We, you know, we've known it. And uh, so we look at that. Uh, so what is this really cool moment that like for me, I was reading it and I was like, no way i was reading in the hebrew and it was uh moot de moot is the word it's die you shall die is what it <laughs> says um in the script uh, that god was saying if you if you eat of this fruit if you eat of this fruit die surely you will die so in hebrew so what we have here is you will surely die all right that's what we get in our english text and we're like okay don't eat of the fruit remember what we just read of eve she actually changed it up she says don't even touch it she added her own she added her own little extra flavor to that there um but when god was saying it if you eat of this fruit you will die all right you will die so let me just find it here okay but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil this is uh genesis 2 17 and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. All right? In the Hebrew, it literally puts the word die twice. All right? So it creates this emphasis, and it's in the emphatic. And it, so pretty much how my Hebrew professor would have said it is he would say, die, surely you shall die. And it <laughs> essentially is what he was saying is it was it was there and it was moot de moot, <laughs> which is saying you shall die, die. So you won't die. You will really die. Mm, so when I'm so. reading it for the first time, done so, obliterate, gone, right? And so when I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, if they bit from it, would they like be like Obi-Wan Kenobi and just, you know, pass out <laughs> and just be gone? Uh, but for me, that was that was an example where I'm a, I was reading through it and I was just learning the Hebrew and stuff like that. I was looking, I'm like, that is some serious emphasis with that. And um, that was just a really quick example for me where I was like, man, I've read it over that. I'm like, you'll die. But it was like, it was like, he was, they knew. They 100% knew, don't eat from this fruit. It wasn't just like, hey, you might get stung. It was like, you really see it. And we get it, but it's a little bit watered down when we're reading it in our Bibles. And that was an example for me where I was like, geez, because you can, you can read it 
and it's called an infinite, uh, infinitive absolute <laughs> is what it's called. And you just know it. You just know it. And that was, it came alive. So I'm like, you can't even get a page and a half in without the Hebrew already making it something um, just, just brought it to life for me. So that was an example that I had. Amazing yeah. example. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for uh, <laughs> being able to put on the spot. And uh, I love that the Bible is within arm's reach and uh, able to flip through. I thought you were going to like go through something off the top of your head, but it was just right there. Yeah, I had it. I had it. Sorry, I had it. I had it. <laughs> I told you, man, within arm's reach, man. I'm going to have it with me. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. That's funny. You know, I, um, I've recently thought it would be pretty cool to understand the like original translations like you're sharing but you made a comment you said it's not for everyone and i've kind of just thought eh, it's probably not for me but i don't know i am here hearing you share that story it makes me even more like intrigued to want to learn to learn it but then again like it's a lot to learn <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it you know, I I really do think everyone like if you you can. What I love about my professor, he's created this ministry where he teaches lay members like really simplified Hebrew and Greek, so you can like learn the letters and learn the nuances of the language. But if you had like the text, you could go in and get remotely at least to be able to do a word study. Mm -hmm. um, now there's Bible software, and that Bible software will do a lot for you. Will do yeah. a lot for you. You can get you can get. You could get a passing grade with that if you know how to work it well enough. Um, so it's not for everybody, but there are. That doesn't mean like, hey, I'm only going to stay with this specific, like this one mm -hmm. translation. Um, it's, but yeah, it was. I was. I had to have it as part of my calling. I don't think I would have made it through if I didn't feel like I was called to do it. <laughs> to be mm -hmm. honest, it's not just. A, it's not just. A, I'm walking past one day and decide to pick it up. On the thing. whim, yeah. Gotcha. Takes a lot of work. A yeah. lot of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to kind of keep moving along, but I did have one more question in regards to like uh, the ministry. I was kind of curious on if you had any like vision or um, maybe a thought out plan for the next five, 10 years for how you want to see things, uh, you know, develop and kind of change with your, with what you oversee in your ministry. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me specifically, I don't know. Um, some people are youth ministry, like men and women, you know, they're just, they are the they're usually the i've been there for life they usually end up with earrings and a goatee and cargo shorts you know what i'm talking about you know those youth ministry guys right it's just those ones that have been in it forever they're the gurus they're the ones that are 100 percent. they're there they're ride or die they are hey i am called to young people called to young people um i think uh fairly soon in my career i'm going to probably be moving towards adult ministry uh for me that's just for me i'm just thinking through what does that look like how, how am i called to do that um so uh i think five to ten years down the line what i'd love to be doing is leading um for adults for adults specifically um curriculum within the church within the church through our discipleship programs and stuff we have something at journey called the pathway which is how we walk our uh, pretty much just our parishioners through uh, spiritual formation. What does it mean to follow God? And this pathway gives you, like our church is called Journey Community Church. You're on a journey walking through a pathway. Just keep rolling with it, right? So there's different things that you do in that pathway. And there's different courses on formation. There's courses on reading the Bible. There's there's theology courses. There's kind of just like the, the membership class type thing um i think down the line i'm going to be definitely more towards leading those portions of the ministry and i think is there someone yeah. currently leading that or would you be like in a sense creating that you know 
that position? Uh, it depends. There's so which is kind of like it's mixed. There's there's people that are leading different sections of it, and I think eventually I'd love to be the one leading the entire tying all together. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. tying it all together. And I and I think um, having my degree is a big push towards that is being able to feel like I'm equipped to be in those conversations and be in the room for that. Um, so I think that's that's down the line. I'm not 100% sure when and all that's going to flesh out. Um, mm-hmm. But being in conversation and pushing towards that and really saying like, hey, we need, this is my, I've recognized, I recognize through working with youth. I love working with youth. I love being on high school campuses. Um, our college ministry is really towards, uh, right now what we're doing is really, I'm teaching like a Bible class to them. Uh, it's, it's a big thing, but we meet on Monday nights and we're going through Genesis. We're going through Genesis. We're on Genesis 5. Uh, no, we just got to the flood. We're on Genesis 6. And we are just going line by line through it. We're learning different Hebrew words together, walking through a couple commentaries. What does it look like? What are your thoughts on the topic? All this stuff. It's been so good. So working with these, uh, now they're become, becoming adults and they're young adults and they're able to grapple with this conversation. I realized in order for this next generation of youth kids, youth kids to grow up with a solid biblical foundation, it can't just be me as a youth pastor. It has to be their parents. It has to be in their home. I look back at my story and I think the reason why I have a high value for this stuff is because of my family's value for it. They just had a huge, it was, we had, you know, devos for breakfast, you know, we left reading Bible stories and at night we did stuff uh, and we just read the Bible all the time. So we knew these stories. So my heart, my passion is really recently, recently over the last year has been towards, man, I have got to get a hold of these parents and teach them why is it important and realizing i'm like oh shoot these parents are starting to be my age (laughs) like i'm like my peers i need to i need to look at my peers and say how can we take responsibility for our families and leading them through the bible and if you're not equipped yet let's get you equipped to read this stuff Mm -hmm. that's a good point you bring up you know i I lead a high school small group and so i have uh Anywhere from like four to like 11 kids, you know, once a mm-hmm. week and mm-hmm. I have the chance to kind of hang out with them. Right. So I have, you know, two or three hours where we're playing games, you know, I'm, I'm do- giving them work on the court, you know what I'm saying? Give them a little shake and bake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we have, we have fun and we have, you know, teaching and whatnot. Um, but you know, I often, I think I've talked about in this podcast, but, uh, and I've been doing that for like, I think this is my third or fourth group and I've had each group. So I've had, I had two before this for four years. So this is mm. my, my third one. So I've done it for a while and I've no, I've like noticed like just a change, like the culture of the kids, like just the way they interact with each other, the things they care about, what excites them, what they want to do. Like it's just so different than, uh, from what it once was. And it sounds like from what you're saying in your mind, like one of the most important things to kind of instill in people is biblical literacy. And you're mm-hmm. also saying, saying, saying that you think a, a key component of that is the parents. Um, what else, like what else do you think is needed to, um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I'm expressing, I feel like something is different with like the kids, you know, the generations, it seems different, right? From mm-hmm. how it was for me. So I'm just curious on like, what else is like an important factor to like catch people on while they're young? How else can we like help kids and help them, learn important truths and principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, parents, the, they're, uh, so that's like the big one, their family life. 
uh, or having a mentor, or someone that's that's leading, guiding, directing them for mm-hmm. sure, of making it important. Uh, something that we didn't have as the primary uh, focus, um, desire, and idol. Ooh, I went there. Uh, is social media. Mm-hmm. And these kids, man, they spend more time, myself included. This isn't yeah. even just like these kids. It's just, man, they are just on social media all day. It's crazy. Whether, yeah. whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram, they are on it all day, all day. And, you know, I like downloaded TikTok because I'm like, what are these kids like getting fed? And I was like, whoa, this yeah. narrative on this thing is you gotta like if you have if you have a biblical worldview and you put on those that biblical worldview glasses and you go through TikTok, whoa, dude, it's almost opposite of what scripture's trying to teach you. And I'm like, these kids are taking it are you know full four course meals on of this stuff every day. Three mm-hmm. square meals a day. And that there's you know, we had you know, in high school for us, we had like MySpace and Facebook. That was about all the drama we could conjure up was through that. That's all we had. Yeah. And I was like, I was even worried about the like having to look good on social media back then. I, that wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Um, but now it's like that they have so much. So I think what I was trying to get, what I'm trying to get at is another thing is trying to say, where do you go to find your truth? Like, where is your truth? Like, are you turning to instagram to find out what the what how you're supposed to uh respond to this cultural moment or do you go to what we're getting on in in your small group or in church and is that the only place you're getting your truth is it like are you living sunday to sunday or is it a monday 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 to monday type lifestyle of following god so that's another thing i'm just trying to figure out i i'm i'm working on it trying to figure out what is how do we create and craft a diet that gives us a biblical worldview while still having a decent, decent and okay relationship with social media. I haven't found a solution yet. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I think that, I don't know. I I feel like left off, like just just discouraged with this because I think that as adults, like that's even, that's super hard, but how, how can we expect like high school kids to like, Mm -hmm. I mean, as Mm -hmm. long as they have access to this phone and they have this phone in their hand, they can do whatever they want with it. Like, Mm-hmm. That's probably what they're gonna do if we're just being honest. Like I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. it's it's hard to expect young people like that to, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to understand like where is like an appropriate you know avenue of truth. And I don't know. I just I find it. I feel like week after week at my small group, I'm kind of discouraged with kind of with a lot of that stuff, right? You know, these kids mm-hmm. they show up and ten of them they're all they have their AirPods in and they oh they, dude uh, I know they're it's on the starter pack, I, I know yeah. what they're talking about like, this thing called Discord or Twitch oh, whatever I know what it is. Well, yeah. And uh, it's just weird, dude. Like I'm only 26 and I feel like old compared. Like I feel really old compared to these kids because yeah. I don't understand half the things they talk about or reference and they're constantly like, laughing at me because I don't know. And I'm like, dude, like you guys are crazy. Yeah, bro. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But at yeah. the same time, you made a good point. Like how, what was accessible to us when we were in high school. For us, me and Corey, I remember Instagram, right? Instagram came when we were, I don't know, sophomores, maybe, maybe juniors. Like that was a newer thing. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know anyone who does not have an Instagram, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, these kids have way more stuff than we had. So I don't know. It's a different battle, but. Yeah. Um, well, I have a, I have a freshman guy small group. <laughs> That's what I lead. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I'm in the thick of it every Wednesday night with them hearing mm-hmm. just like what life is like. And I'm like, geez, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, I, I realize that, you know, I'm not gonna be able to change, like I, like I said before, change the entire youth group. But if I can get, you know, 
seven of these freshman guys to recognize that we don't need like our phones are incredible tools but terrible gods like if we can get them to realize that um and recognize that and that that comes from example like that's what i've realized i just have to be an example like i'm not gonna be on my phone in front of them to realize i can be in a conversation without having my phone out uh Mm -hmm. and uh instead of you know, if we're looking for a passage, I always go back to the Bible. I'm sorry about that. But instead of looking for a passage, I'm not typing in on Google where like passage about confidence, right? We're going to flip through the pages and find something um, before I turn to my phone because um, I want them to recognize we can do things without it. Um, one of the, this was, this is just one example. So we did a missions trip in Cuba. So not many people get to go to Cuba. So I was blessed to go on a missions trip to Cuba. Um, one of the things, unless you want to pay crazy amount of money, you turn your phone off if you're in Cuba. Like you literally can't use it. You don't use your Wi-Fi. You don't have your phone on. We're lucky to even be in the country. And so we went, we brought 15 high schoolers and uh, it was the best week ever. None of them had their phones couldn't even have their phones. This is 2019. Uh, they couldn't even have their phones. They couldn't access it if they wanted to. Couldn't Did you tell them that before to. they got on the plane or when they oh, got they knew. there? Well, I told them, hey, I'm by like, the way, <laughs> I was trying, I wasn't trying to lie to them. I was trying to yeah, scare yeah. them. I'm like, you turn your phone on, you're going to jail. Uh, but it was like, <laughs> it was like, but they just was like, their parents tell them, Hey, don't text me. Cause it'll be so much money if you do that and all this stuff. So, uh, they were like freaked out and they were like, all right, I won't. It was, you know, the resounding conversation that we had in like the fall up at the end was man i didn't have my phone and i couldn't use my phone and i had to like talk with you guys <laughs> you know <laughs> i had to like engage in these house visits that we did and when we were with the kids that we're doing vbs for uh i didn't have to try to instagram this super cute moment i lived it mm-hmm. and it was oh uh, it was so powerful and they recognized it and i was just like man i wish everybody could experience a full week without their phones now no one mm-hmm. you're, it's just not reasonable anymore to ask that uh but but i saw it and i saw yeah. the effects that it had for the po- in the positive way so it's like trying to figure out how do we do it in a in a way how do we yeah how do we, what does it look like to live life as a kingdom man with your phone and uh with social media and how do we emulate that and show that to other people so mm-hmm. what what does that look like for you uh, you mentioned like leading by example but like how what's your relationship like with your phone and social yeah. media yeah yeah i have i have frequent days uh frequent moments where i just don't log into i i will go through like a full month of i'm not gonna be on social media like i won't be on instagram i won't be on facebook uh I have been blessed with volunteers that lead that run our high school one. So we have like a high school Instagram like you. That's where they get all our kids get all the facts. So like you'll post post saying, hey, here's the event. Boom, boom, boom. It used to be emails. Now it's Instagram. And, you know, I have a volunteer. She does it all for me. She like goes through, posts stuff, curates it, makes it look amazing. And the kids are following. That's where they get if they need a link, they DM her. She does it. Um, So that's I've been blessed. I've been freed up from how to do that as a part of my job. Um, so for me, I really, I need to put like, I need to 
really treat it as a tool. My phone as a tool, I've recognized that. And I have seasons where I do it incredibly well and I have seasons where I do it incredibly bad. And in no way have I become like, a, like man, I'm a wizard at this thing. I have uh, gone through different seasons where I've like had to be militant about it. Of like, I turn my phone off at nine and I don't turn it back on until nine the next morning. Then I've had times where it's on and I use it. So I think I go, I, I vacillate between um, being like, hey, I'm hardcore. My phone isn't on on Saturdays. And then there's some seasons where I'm like, yeah, it's not as reasonable to have it on there. Um, but the biggest thing that has helped me has been taking big social media breaks. So um, like I'll do like a full month fast, I guess if people call it fasting now, it's worse than food for a lot of people now. Um, but uh, where I'll just not be on, I'll just not log into Instagram, I'll not log into Facebook. Um, and that is, yeah, that clears my mental space up and you know you find other things to do so how do i show that to uh people i don't tell them oh i'm off i don't like blast i'm off social media because that does the opposite uh but realizing i can be in a I, I will leave my phone places so like if i'm on a youth night i'll leave it in my office before i go out and talk to all these kids so i'm not constantly pulling it out and trying to and if someone really needs to get a hold of me they'll find me especially if it's there like it doesn't yeah so when I'm in a small group, 100%, phone's out. It's not even close. Don't do it. Bible's up. Phone's out. And um, making sure you're making eye contact with people. People don't love that nowadays, but making eye contact. And you just, you just, just a different sense of not having it with you. And I love now. Um, I'll be like driving and be like, oh, I forgot my phone. And, the, you know, that has been a really cool I'm like, I'm making progress. That's how I know I'm making progress because I, uh, my jeans no longer have uh, the, the burn in the pocket where my phone is right. uh, because <laughs> I have chosen not to keep it in my front right pocket all the time now. And I've like, I'm gonna put it in my bag. And then if I need it, I'll go into my bag and grab it. And now me being like, oh, I forgot it. This is great. That means I didn't need it that much as I was walking out the door. So that's how I've learned. Um, but I wish I could say I'm amazing at it, but I'm just growing. I'm just learning. I find some serious freedom when I don't have it on me. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's a great one. Uh, we spoke briefly right before we hit record about things that you're excited about and learning about, um, reading even, I would love to touch on that kind of topic. Uh, what's top of mind for you right now? Just like things that you're thinking about and consuming and, um, that's, uh, that's kind of on your heart right now. Mm. Well, I am a big reader, so I read lots. I, that's just my, so I, well, in seminary, you got to be a big reader. That's just the, that's just the reality of it. Uh, but outside of seminary, you know, I, you know, next week when I don't have classes, I'll be reading. It's just, that's just, that's what I do. I just love it. Um, the most transformational author I can think of that I, I read, I'll, I go back to his stuff the most out of everybody as a guy named Eugene Peterson. So he's the one who did the message paraphrase translation of the Bible. Um, but he was a pastor for 30 years and he writes on pastoral life, ministry life and leadership. Uh, just, he just has written so many books and he has this set of books. Uh, and it's all about, um, spiritual theology and as he has five different books and i uh those like just recently i i pick i pick one of them up 
every week and read a chapter or something of it. Um, but I read his work the most, I'd say. And that's like, I read his, yeah, that's every single week. And then just recently, over the last week and a half, I got a, my hands on a book uh, called Kingdom Man Rising um, by uh, Dr. Tony Evans. He's like really well known um, in the evangelical world. Um, and he just is a pastor and leader and just, just kills it, just rocks it. And he wrote this book uh, called Kingdom Man Rising and is all about uh, biblical manhood. So I'm about halfway through it. You know those guys that like say, you gotta read this book, and they're only read like two chapters. I'm trying not to be that guy right now, but I'm reading that right now, and it was just, uh, you know, as I'm reading it, the big thing that is glaring to me and coming out is he is big on men taking responsibility as, uh, as creating, like forming culture, forming culture in your family, forming culture in the church, forming culture at large, um, kingdom men, men that in this biblical manhood idea, and it's all about responsibility. And what, you know, what it's done for me is it's really sparked a fire of, man, how can I, little old me, um, and whatever influence I do have in my family, in those that I know, those that I lead, those that I get to teach, um, how do I take responsibility for leading them well, leading myself well? And that has been something that I'm like, man, this is perfect timing with me laying the, the plane of my, uh, my seminary career. And I'm like, I'm excited to continue even just chewing on this concept of what does it mean to be a kingdom man? So that's been big for me. Uh, that has been like, I was like, man, I needed this. I needed this because in a world that is like really attacking, what does it mean to like lead as a kingdom man? Uh, it's like, Having this like, man, I need to start taking responsibility in these areas, uh, which I don't think I've been shirking responsibility, but even just having someone else sharing and saying, hey, this is important. And actually, it's called by God for you to do this uh, has. Yeah, that's that. Those are the two things. Eugene Peterson and Dr. Tony Evans. Those whew, those have been things that have been rocking my world lately. Yeah, both of those are new. And uh, so we definitely have to check them out. We'll link to them in the show notes as well. Um, Obviously, manhood, sort of biblical manhood, is a big theme of us and for the podcast. Uh, responsibility, mm. it's interesting so that that's kind of the, the big one. Um, it, maybe it's just sort of, you know, observation or maybe it's just uh, sort of convenient, but that seems like one of the things that no one wants to do these days. <laughs> it's like very inconvenient and it's very, um, it's really, really hard, right? One of the kind of, themes we always go back to you and Jeremy in the podcast is uh it's simple but not easy and responsibility mm. is one of those where it's just like oof it's it yep. sounds you know easy on paper but in practice it's it's a, a tough one to actually do yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah I feel that man um I'm also wondering what are uh do you have any other like favorite books or resources podcasts uh like um you know, what, what do you normally recommend to someone or besides obviously Tony Evans and uh, yeah. Eugene Peterson? Oh yeah. So as I'm like, so if I'm, yeah, I, I have a very specific, I, I have a weird, I read all over the place. I like, I read, I have my own specific things that I like to read and uh, people will ask me. So I kind of have different authors for different things, mm. you know, different strokes for different folks type thing. So if someone was like, Hey, I'm trying to learn spiritual practices, who is someone you would recommend? I'd say Dallas Willard. 
Like he is just one of the foundational people to speak about spiritual practices and spiritual formation in life. Uh, I give that. Um, I am huge. I'm, I'm big on people reading poetry. I think poetry gives you, uh, remember if you go back to my story, poetry was like kind of got me into this stuff. And so I, I read, um, I, you know, I, I try to read a good amount of just different poets and things like that, just to kind of just get my mind thinking in like an imagination. And uh, I, I call it a pastoral imagination because to take in these 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 stories of the Bible and try to apply it to our lives, you got to use some nuance. You got to be a poet in a lot of ways to say, why is this important? And how, how will this apply to my life? And um, so there's, yeah. So kind of uh, for me, what I do is like a really awesome way to get uh, some of this stuff plugged in uh, for people is I will recommend uh, if they're just like, hey, I'm trying to just shake up reading the Bible better or reading things. I, I tell them um, I tell them to buy one of Wendell Berry's books. I don't know if you know who Wendell Berry is. He's a, just a famous poet and he writes about life. Uh, he writes about life on his farm in Kentucky. And uh, if you go in and you change uh, the words around in his poems, uh, if he talks about his farm and you can change and plug out the word farm and you plug in church and you take out his, uh, you take out his animals and you put in parishioners. I know that sounds bad doing that, but if you put it in as in you're, you're tending your, your farm, man, it has rocked my world. So Wendell Berry, I try to read like, two or three poems a day from him. So you can just buy one of his things. And I just do that and it just opens up my mind. As far as getting into conversation about the Bible, I huge on the Bible project. So if you like are, if you've ever heard of the Bible project before, if you're trying to explain the Bible to someone in a clear way, uh, the Bible project is a really good soft launch for people because they have animated videos of every book of the Bible, specific themes and words and their scholarship you're not gonna get much better than Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey's a Hebrew scholar. Uh, he just, dude, <laughs> he's got, yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's out, he's just out there. He's just really good. He kills it. Uh, so I, I listen to that podcast if I'm on a run or something like that. And then um, as far as, I know a lot of times people are like, are you listening to like what leadership podcasts and things like that are you doing? Uh, you know, for me, uh, we've, I had, I, that's all I consumed at the beginning of my my career. That's all I consumed because I'm like I'm leading people now. I need to learn how to do better. You know the Craig Rochelle. If the leader gets better, where I'll get better. And it's just like we're all reading John Maxwell and things like that. And that was those things are so helpful, so helpful. I just had to go from a diet of everything being leadership to I had to get to a diet of all right. How for me pastorally am I going to do? better and raise in that opposed to just systems. So um, I'm sure I might get back to it, but for right now, I've been doing that. Uh, a big uh, a big one that I, I highly suggest people um, is a book, uh, and I'm, he has a podcast as well. It's uh, Emotionally Healthy Leadership by Pete Scazzaro. Uh, read it. And the whole premise is your spiritual life will not outgrow your emotional health. <laughs> and I said, whoa, I had to, I read three of his books that were assignments in seminary. Like they just, that was foundational. He has emotionally healthy church, his emotionally healthy pastor, emotionally healthy person. Just wow. Spirituality, <laughs> super good. So highly suggest that. Um, that's transformational. Those books actually have little tests after 
after every part of the book for you to take and assess how you doing. And yeah, so that's where I'm at when it comes to the leadership part is probably Pete Scazzaro's stuff right now. Hmm. Dude, I'm excited to read some of these books. These look good. I'm stoked. Come on. Yeah, there's some there's some solid stuff out there. I'm a book guy, so I've read a yeah, lot of them. I was going to mm-hmm. ask, uh, when do you typically read? Like what part of your day? Oh, super early. Super yeah. early. Yeah. Wake up. Uh, it's, yeah, If for me to read at night, A, that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the time, some of the only time, my wife's a therapist, so the only time we really have is like later in the night to like hang out and stuff like that. So like our schedules are pretty busy with the church and I was in seminary on top of church life and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it didn't make sense to be the only hours we were both home for me to be away and reading, you know, it just mm-hmm. didn't make sense. So if I was going to be like, if I want to like grow and learn in this stuff, it has to be um, time early early in the morning. So I wake up, I try to wake up pretty early in like, I don't know, five to six, eight range. Um, a lot of it would be for schoolwork. I had to do schoolwork before, but even before then, or even during then, when I, if I would have a slight break, I'd wake up early and just try to get in a solid hour of just reading in. Um, I do my own just devotions and things like that. But then if I'm like, uh, if there's a book that I want to get there, if you do, if you read an hour a day, five days a week, whoa, yeah, you make some progress. Yeah. You crush some books. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you just make that like a steady diet, uh, you will get through some books. Believe me, especially if it's like, you're not checking your phone during that time. Yeah. You'll really get through it. A lot of times you're like, how do you read? People will ask me, how do you read such big books? I'm like, you don't go by the page count. You just go by the amount of time you're actually in it. You will do it. So I try to do just five days a week, an hour a day, five days a week, and you will crush it. You will, but that's not for everybody. (laughs) Once again, it's not for everybody, but for Mm -hmm. me, I enjoy it. So that's, that's what I do. That's rad. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite questions I'd love to ask is, uh, what is something that you've changed your mind about recently? Uh, changed my mind about recently. Oh, gee, it be big, small. Um, we get answers from all over the spectrum, but I'm just <laughs> just, curious. <laughs> I, oh, I was just watching this. <laughs> it was like this whole, it was this Instagram poll that this guy was doing. And he says, he was just writing things that were controversial, not really controversial. He's just like, he's like the Sundays at McDonald's are better than the Frosties at Wendy's changed my mind. <laughs> like he just was saying all these small ones that like people could get fired up about mm-hmm. uh, changed my mind. Ah, dang. You know what? This was in the the questions that you were going to ask, and I totally didn't do a good job of (laughs) thinking. uh, Something I've changed my mind about. Um, I think right off the bat, something I've changed. I love it. Every time we get them, Corey, this one. (laughs) I don't know if it's a good question or a bad question. Oh, no, it's a good question. It's just a good question. It's just... Uh, it's too good. Mm, it's too much thinking. Yeah, involved. So you could also think about like, um, you know, what's a method that you've changed, uh, and why mm. usually, usually that's kind got of it. like a got different, it. okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine, I, I got it. Uh, that more is better. Hmm. That hmm. is something I've absolutely changed my mind on. Uh, practical, practically, uh, here's my thing. Uh, it was even with technology, dude, I had for a long time. I was like, I need the latest, greatest about 
every i'm a big apple guy oh okay i'm wearing bose headphones but i'm a big <laughs> apple guy typically um but i had you know i had the newest phone i had an ipad i had an apple pencil i had a macbook i had apple watch dude i was i was i was robocop with how much stuff i had <laughs> with me all the time and i was like dude i have all these different devices they're cool i'm like look at all the cool things you could do and uh i got to this point where i was feeling so frazzled I like had too many things going on at once in my life and my world. And I like streamlined everything where I just went to a laptop and my phone. And I used to be like, I need to have all this stuff, sold it all, went down to the basics, basics of everything. And it's crazy how you could just do with just the basic tools you have, you could do everything that you need to do with just that. And I used to think, man, I need to get the newest, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, once I paid off my current phone, I'm like, this is going to be it for a long time. And that just really has helped me. And that was just a small, I know it sounds like weird, but in my mind, that helped me realize like, man, I spent more time on getting the newest thing to help me with my productivity or in my life without actually getting productive on stuff. Mm. So uh, what... I've done is I've streamlined everything to just really like less is more. And I've tried to do that with my clothing, I've tried to do that with my, uh, my like different apps that I use. I try to do that with my technology. And you know, that's, it's not, I wouldn't say I'm a minimalist, but there's some, there's some things in my life that I've been working to try to scale down a little bit. And it's really given me a lot of freedom. So yeah. that's, that's changed a really my good mind. One. Yeah. I try to change my mind. Yeah. No, that's really good. Love it. Yeah, that that's an awesome one. I've been feeling, I would, like you. I was a big, uh, a big Apple guy. I'm always one of the latest, greatest. And then I think after a while, it was it was probably like less spiritual. But I was kind of just like, you know what? The next version like isn't really that much greater than the last version. And so then I was like, why don't I just like wait like another year for like the next phone? And then that one rolled around, and I was like, this one really isn't that much better than the one I have now. So why don't I just wait like a little bit longer? And then, you know, as soon as I was like, yeah, you know what? It's really not a huge deal to like not have the latest, greatest thing. I have like a five-year-old Apple watch and I still have the iPhone X or 10. I still haven't figured out what the real yeah, of it is. And, right. Uh, Absolutely. Eventually we'll get new stuff, you know, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's like I said, more of the attitude, right? It's just like, I don't need mm -hmm. it. And it's more yes. about it's still, it's super hard though. Right. Like when you see like the newest stuff or you see like, Oh shoot, man, you could do that with the camera. Like, <laughs> I'm like, but then I'm like, that's like a thousand dollars to get that. I'm like, but we, yeah. So I've just slowly, but surely tried to stick it to the man and <laughs> try not to have that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Um, Jeremy, anything else that we feel like we're, we're missing and that we're not covering? Uh, is there anything that you normally don't get asked about, Morgan, that um, you would love talking about or things you feel like uh, you know you just want to share? Dude, you know what? I got the I got to talk about my biblical literacy thing. So I feel like I did it. <laughs> that I was did great. it. You know, in the end, in the end, I want to be known as a Bible guy. You know, mm -hmm. as a guy that like really is working to create a biblical worldview in our life and why is it important? And, mm -hmm. you know, I got to share the practical things in my own ministry right now. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that people are. I think I found a passion of mine is that. Mm -hmm. So I got to share a little bit. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had two questions, both really unrelated. But the first one was kind of back where we started out. 
Um, I was curious if besides like the ministry, um, if there's anything else like business, like investment wise that you're kind of dabbling in or interested in or kind of anything outside of um, being a pastor that, that mm. has your interest. Side projects. Not, yeah. worries, but just curious. No, <laughs> I really don't. I really don't have too much uh, that I'm like, uh, this is like huge on. I think uh, for right now, it has been, uh, you know, mine has just been education. I think I'm like praying through like uh, what now after having my master's, I think one day uh, looking to do PhD work. So that is like where a lot of my energy goes is, is that. So opposed to like, I don't have like a, like a coffee company or something that I'm rocking mm-hmm. outside of this too. Uh, I'm very vo- one vocation right now. Uh, maybe one day I'll get creative. Remember I said, hey, at the beginning I could sell I could sell stuff. Yeah. I could do it. There's yeah. a part of it. I can if see you it. Could get, if you could get high schoolers to show up to your youth ministry, you could sell stuff. Oh, right? yeah. So there's a part of my personality that that's in there. I haven't really had to use it to make money yet. Uh, but, uh, but so no, no major investments yeah. outside of just Morgan, uh, you're yeah, uh, education. Dude, you're funny. It, uh, I don't know how to put into words, but you're kind of like a mix between like, I can tell you're old school in like a lot of ways, but also mm. you're like, you're cool like you're you know you're like with it like you're like with like what's uh, you know what i'm saying i think that's really fast i wonder if it i'm assuming maybe from your dad a lot of that comes from like that mm. certain dance ingrained in you that are you know maybe mm. a bit more um traditional <laughs> but yeah as the yeah. more and more i talk to you the more and more it's like a funny combination i like um i guess my last question was and you may i think you possibly touched on this but just kind of curious like uh, top of mind for how is God speaking to you right now? Is, is he working in your life in any way and kind of anything along those lines that you wanted to share? Mm. Yeah. How's the Lord speaking to me right now? I have just, I have, yeah, the through, like I was talking about that's that kingdom man identity. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lord has, that was just something that I needed to get clicked on and he did it. And what does it look like? What does it look like to flesh that out in my own personal life and really do that? Um, but uh, let me just real quick. This has been the scripture verse that the Lord has been really speaking through me. It's found in uh, Timothy. I'm just going to turn to it here because Corey, do you have a- plan to plan ahead with this or is it staged? You think it's real? <laughs> oh, it's for sure real. I love it. It's authentic. For sure real. For sure, real. Ah, here it is. So, Second Timothy two fifteen. Um, I memorized it in the NIV back in the day. This is a different translation. So, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And um, that has been kind of just my verse as of late. But I'm like, man, I think that is a tune that I'm gonna I'm gonna dance to for a while. And what does it look like to A, be diligent, to present myself approved? Like we're already approved, the Lord loves us. He's already like called us, he's already redeemed us, like through the grace, like we already know this, we know this part of the gospel, but what does it look like? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman. What is that workman type for my own self personally? How does that play out? What does diligence look like in my day-to-day life? and then not being ashamed, not being ashamed. Maybe what you're talking about in the, the old school mindsets that you're seeing in me, me not being ashamed to, to uh, subscribe to uh, subscribe to like more of an old school mentality for things. Um, 
not being ashamed, but then accurately handling the word of truth and kind of what I've been recognizing and praying through of saying, all right, there is the truth. It's God's truth. And me living life in this cultural moment, living life of my peers, living life of other people, people are subscribing to their truth, a truth or culture's truth, but are they subscribing to the truth? And so how do we work? How do I work as someone that's approved and diligent to properly handle the truth? Um, that is, that's kind mm. of like my, that's what the Lord has been really just sharing and speaking to me recently. So that's good. Amazing. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to, uh, to cap it off. And I think that's a great place to, uh, to hit pause. Um, Morgan, it's been amazing meeting you, getting able to, uh, kind of share your voice. I love the themes of biblical literacy and, uh, manhood and responsibility and, um, and just, you know, being a pastor and leader as well. So mm. thanks so much for mm. coming on and sharing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. This is great.